There are two Johns that we're about to talk about this morning. John the Baptist and John the Gospel writer. So that there is no confusion. This is how we'll distinguish between the two. I will refer to John as John the Baptist or John the Baptist. And I'll always refer to John the Gospel writer as the other John. So we won't get confused or mistaken. Okay? You got that? You want me to say it again? <laughs> John the Baptist, John the Gospel writer. But if I say John, I'm referring to John the Baptist. Our gospel text this morning is full of John the Baptist's rich testimonies about Jesus. In verse 29, he says that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He says the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the the best news a human being could hear this morning. The eternal Son of God came into the world, not to judge us, but to take away our sin. And so, if you are a Christ follower here this morning, I hope that you are enjoying this freedom from guilt and from your sin. This morning, I want us to focus on another great testimony that John gave about Jesus, namely that he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Verse 33 says, I myself did not know him, but God who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. That will be our focus this morning. In other words, what is, it, what, what is meant by Jesus' baptizing with the Holy Spirit? And so the question we can ask, or the questions that we can ask are these. Why did John make this a part of his message? For all the things he could have said about Jesus and his ministry, why did he say this? And why is it a great testimony to Jesus? And why is it mainly a testimony to the Holy Spirit? So there's a few questions for us to explore this morning. The first thing we notice is that John, the gospel writer, sets up a contrast between John's baptism with water and Jesus' baptism with the Spirit. Verse 31 says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he he might be revealed to Israel. I love, I really love the way that John the Baptist sets up the contrast here. John's emphasis is not on his own life. He's not the Christ. He's not the prophet. He's not Elijah reincarnated. He's not the great Noah of Jesus. He says, I'm just the voice saying, come, get ready to meet the God of Isaiah chapter 40 in human form. That's what he's saying. Get ready to meet the God of Isaiah 40 in human form. And I'm just a baptizer of mere water so that I can get some people ready to recognize Jesus. Verse 32 says, And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Now amazingly, the Gospel of John does not report the details of of Jesus' baptism. We know from other Gospels that the, 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 descent, the descent of the dove happened at Jesus' baptism. But John simply says that the Spirit came like a dove without explicitly mentioning Jesus' baptism. 
So why a dove? The dove was one of the clean animals that could be sacrificed if you were poor or couldn't afford a lamb to sacrifice. Leviticus 5.7 says, But if you cannot afford a sheep, you shall bring to the Lord as a penalty for the sin that you have committed. Two turtle doves or two pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. So a dove stood for purity, a dove stood for lowliness, a dove stood for humility. So of all the birds that connect heaven and earth by their flying and their landing, the dove is the one that seems the most suitable symbol of the Holy Spirit. This morning, the Holy Spirit is holy. The Holy Spirit is pure. And the Holy Spirit is the most self-effacing, the most lowly, the most humble person of the Trinity. So John's Gospel glosses over the baptism of Jesus in order to focus all attention on one thing, the pure and meek Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus and remained upon him. Look at the phrase at the end of verse 32, and it remained on him. Now don't stumble over that it as though the Holy Spirit is a thing or a force or not a person. The it refers to the dove. But in reality, it's the Holy Spirit himself who remains. The Holy Spirit is a person in his own right. A person, not an it, that came upon Jesus. The point of stressing that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and remaining upon him is that this makes it clear that he can baptise in the Holy Spirit. That's where John is going. It's... It's, it, isn't it amazing that John, the Gospel writer, not only doesn't report Jesus' baptism, but he also doesn't say a word about the meaning of John's baptism either. All other Gospel writers tell us that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. For example, in Mark chapter 1, verse 4, John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So John, the Gospel writer, only says that John's baptism is meant to reveal Christ. And we see that in verse 31. The reason for this lean reporting is that John is riveted to just one thing. John equals water, but Jesus equals spirit. John wants us to feel the vast superiority of Jesus in this contrast this morning. Baptizing with the Spirit and baptizing with water is the difference between a person and a painting of a person. It's the difference between a marriage and a ring. It's the difference between a birth and a birth certificate. It's the difference between immersion in water and immersion in God. So what John is saying in this contrast is that he has been, what he's been saying all along, I am nothing compared to this one. What I do and what he does are two radically different categories. I dare not untie his sandals. He was absolutely before me. He ranks infinitely above me. I am the voice. He is the message. I am the temporary pointer. He is the eternal person. I am a mere man. He is the God-man. And the focus of Christ's superiority is in this passage is in fact 
that he baptises in the Holy Spirit while John merely baptises with water. Why? Why did John the Gospel writer choose to mention this here at the beginning of his Gospel, right at the beginning of his Gospel? Well, here's one reason. The Old Testament makes plain that the long-awaited Messiah would be empowered by the, the Spirit of God and that in his day the Spirit would be poured out on all his people in a wonderfully new way. For example, Isaiah 11, chapter, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 2 says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Isaiah 42, verse 1 says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my Spirit on him, he will bring forth justice to the nations. Isaiah 61, verse 1, and also it's repeated in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus says these words about himself. The Spirit of the Lord, or the Spirit of the Lord, or the Spirit of God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So this is why God said to John the Baptist in verse 33, He whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the prophets said it would be this way. So when you see it happen, know that the one who baptizes with the Spirit has come. So let's have a look at the Spirit and God's people. The Old Testament describes what would happen for God or for the people of the Messiah. Joel tells us in chapter 2, verse 8, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I shall pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Isaiah 44, verse 3 says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams, of dry, on, and streams on the dry grounds. I will pour my Spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Ezekiel 36, 27 says, And I will put my Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is at least part of what would be included in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So John mentions the, the Holy Spirit and his coming upon Jesus and Jesus' baptizing with the Spirit to emphasize that the days of the Messiah are here. The long-awaited promises are now being fulfilled. So what does it mean? What does John the Gospel writer have in mind when he tells us what John the Baptist says in verse 33? This is he who baptises with the Holy Spirit. What does baptism with the Holy Spirit mean? So let's have a look at three possibilities. But I'm sure there's, going to, there's, there's many, many more. But let's just have a look at quickly three possibilities. First, it means that from now on, now that God has come in the flesh, the Holy Spirit will come to people through Jesus Christ. The Spirit came upon Jesus and remained upon him, and therefore Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26 says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. The Holy Spirit will not do his redemptive work apart from Jesus. Jesus will be the means by which anyone receives the Spirit 
whatever saving work the Spirit does, He does because of Jesus. The Spirit does not flow like fluid through the world unattached to Jesus. Everywhere He moves, He moves with Jesus and for Jesus. This is the first thing it means to say that Jesus baptizes with the Spirit. Secondly, it means that Jesus immerses people in the Spirit. That's what the word baptize means. There are word pictures in the Bible for the Spirit being poured out. The Spirit is poured out over us in such an extent that we are enveloped by Him. So the point of the word image is that the Spirit becomes profoundly and universally influential in our lives. When you are immersed in something, it touches you everywhere. So when John says that Jesus is going to baptize with the Spirit, he means that the day is coming when the lives of God's people will be plunged into the life of the Spirit with profound and universal effect. Thirdly, what are those effects? Well, we have, as we have already talked about, uh, let's try and let John the Baptist define for us what he means by baptism with the Spirit. Let John talk to that because it seems to be a term that is a broad and overarching term, a term that includes a whole great saving, sanctifying, empowering work of the Spirit in this age. I don't think it's a technical term that refers to just one part of the Christian life, say, for instance, conversion or speaking in tongues or a bold act of witness. There are other texts that deal with those singular issues, which is probably another sermon altogether. But John the Baptist is helping us understand the continual and sometimes extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit on God's people. Spirit immersion is a continual thing. And it goes, to, it goes hand in glove this morning with spiritual renewal. Have a look at John 3, verses 3 to 6. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus replied, very, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born, be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again or born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. In other words, if you are not born again, one way to, to, to describe your need is that you need to be baptized with the spirit. Just like the pouring of water, the spirit moves in the same fashion. That is, we need to be plunged into God's spirit with the effects that you will be born again and come to faith in Christ. If you are born again, but you languish in, in, in a season of weakness, or perhaps you languish in a season of fear and defeat, or one of bitterness and repulsive feelings towards another person, one way to describe what you need is to be baptised in the Spirit. That is, you need, to be, you need a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of the Spirit's Christ-revealing, heart-wakening, sin-defeating and boldness-producing power this morning. Every spiritual need that we have before and after conversion is supplied by Christ immersing us, immersing, sorry, 
immersing us, I can't get it out of the teeth, but they're dipping <laughs> to a greater or to a lesser degree in the Holy Spirit. And so in, in, in compounding our gospel text, Sorry, in expounding our gospel text, I don't read baptism with the Spirit in John's gospel as a technical term for one experience in a Christian life, but as a general term for all that the Holy Spirit does for us because of Jesus. Now let's get more specific and let's, let me show you uh, why I think John saw it this way. Let me mention four effects of the Holy Spirit in our life. But there's many, many more. But let's just have a look at four as we close. First is the, the Spirit gives new life. John tells us that in John, the Gospel writer of John says that in John, John 6, 63, verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. How does the Spirit give life? He does it by causing the new birth. Jesus told Nicodemus that. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. The first great saving effect of being born or being baptized in the Holy Spirit is being born again. Secondly, the Spirit makes us alive, makes us life givers and not life getters. John chapter 7, verse 38 to 39 says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow living waters. Now, this he said about the Spirit. The Spirit not only makes us alive, but he makes us life-givers. He, he flows out of you like a brimming spring. That what you have, you give away. You cannot hold onto bitterness. You cannot hold onto hatred and repulsive feelings towards another person and be a life giver. It just doesn't happen. In fact, the opposite is the case, isn't it? Thirdly, the Spirit witnesses to Jesus. John chapter 5 verse 26 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. This is the, that glorious internal witness of the Spirit to Jesus Christ that you see Jesus as compellingly worthy and true. And all this is because of the work of the Spirit in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And number four, the Spirit glorifies Jesus. John 16, 4 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The all integrating work of the Holy Spirit is to cause us to see Jesus as magnificent. Now earlier there was a question we asked but we didn't quite answer that question. We asked why is it why is why is it that saying Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit is a testimony mainly to Jesus and not mainly to the Holy Spirit? In other words, why does, why does saying Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit exalt Jesus and not the Spirit? 
It could sound like Jesus is just a stepping stone to the really great person, namely the Spirit. That Jesus is great because he pours out the really great one. But what did we see in John chapter 15 earlier before verse 26? And what did we see in John chapter 16 verse 14 earlier on before? It said, when the Spirit comes, he will witness to Jesus in 1526. When the Spirit comes, he will glorify Jesus in 1614. This is why I said at the beginning that the Holy Spirit is the most self-effacing, humble person of the Trinity. When he comes, he comes to witness to Christ and to glorify Christ. So back to John the Baptist. John says that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now we see why this is a great tribute to the greatness of Jesus. It's not because Jesus is the ground of all good that the Spirit does in us and for us. If Jesus were not the first we're not first the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world by dying for us he could never be the baptizer who gives us the spirit by his rising but he is not just the ground of the Holy Spirit's work Jesus is also the goal of all the spirit does for us and for us he immerses us in the spirit and no one else can do that this morning and then the one in whom he immerses us witnesses back to Jesus and glorifies Jesus. Therefore, Jesus is the ground and the goal of Holy Spirit baptism. So as we close, the ultimate point of John's testimony is that under God the Father, all things are from Christ and all things are for Christ, including and even the Holy Spirit. The main reason we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the great outpouring of the Spirit, the great immersion of every part of our lives in the Spirit, is because God's aim in every part of our life is to glorify Jesus Christ. So the big question this morning is this. Is your life magnifying Christ in every part? If not, let us pray together. There's a short prayer I often pray for a fresh and fuller experience of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray together as we close. It's going to be on the screen. Let's say it together. You can see it. O Holy Spirit, come. O risen Christ, for your great name's sake, grant us a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.